If you are an independent musician looking to grow, you have to be nurturing relationships and friendships and building community. And today's guest is brilliant at that. So let's jump in and learn from him. Welcome to episode two of Behind the Band, where we explore the behind the scenes stuff of growing your music career by talking with awesome artists and people from the industry. My name is David Ryan Olson. I'm from Evergreen Records, and we're all about helping artists grow. And so I'm honored that you've decided to join me here today. Before we jump in, just also wanted to say, if you are going to be releasing new music in the future, I'd love to help you make that upcoming release the best release of your life. We have put together a half-hour workshop called Rock the Release, which is all about helping you plan and promote your next release for maximum success. We're going to teach you a proven strategy for getting on playlists and blogs and shared by influencers so that you can get more streams and start building a strong music career. So to sign up for that, just go to evergreenrecords.com slash workshop to sign up for Rock the Release. Okay, on to today's interview. I have the one and only Jacob Westfall on today. And here in the local Portland music scene, which is my hometown, this guy is such a treasure. Within our local community, he's one of those guys that's kind of like the glue holding everything together. I think everyone in town knows him. So I think we have a lot we can all learn from him about building community, building friendships, and just generally spreading good vibes through music. So without further ado, let's just go ahead and jump into my conversation with Jacob Westfall. All right, I am here with the one and only Mr. Jacob Westfall. Jacob, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty dang good, man. Doing pretty good. Right on. Uh, so jumping right in, tell us a little bit about your story, how you got involved with music, where you're from. Oh, man. Um, that, that is a complicated legal question. Um, <laughs> that you must ask the witness protection program. No. Uh, long story short, I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee for the first half of my life. Um, my pops is a musician, but he wasn't in the music industry. He was just really good at it. I'm the youngest of like five kids. So there are a lot of kids in a big old Mormon household in Nashville, Tennessee, right in the middle <laughs> of the Bible Belt. I, I, I was a kid when we when we left Tennessee, um, and uh, uh, my pops had a, had a company ironically named Sound Investments. Um, and uh, that company tanked um, after uh, the World Trade Centers went down. Uh, some of his investors were in the towers. Mm. And um, after uh, the collapse of his company, we like left Tennessee to go chase like other odd jobs of his. So we moved from like town to town to town to town to town really, really quick. Wow. One after another. We went across Mississippi all the way over to Carson City, Nevada. Um, and the other big spot was Las Vegas, Nevada. In Vegas and Carson City, it was a pretty rough upbringing. Like, um, I, I was bullied a lot, you know, as, as many musicians are, you know, we're not like the athletically inclined wait, wait, what do you mean? Like the, the awkward, shy kids, you know, <laughs> yeah. getting bullied? That, you know, no, that sounds crazy, dude. Uh, it, it sounds completely crazy, but it's true. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, so I was just like, like super insecure about myself and they didn't, and 
you know, now I recognize that it's because I'm an extrovert that didn't really know how to talk to people. Um, but in my solace, my safety was music. You know, my dad always want, for some reason, like he's a musician and he had already had four kids and none of them were really musicians. Like, like they all play music to some extent, but none of them became musicians, like as a job. Being the youngest of five kids, you kind of have like a little expectation on what to do and where to go. But I started playing music, um, I started playing piano when I was seven. I wrote my first song when I was about nine years old. Wow. Um, and uh, just started coming after that. Um, I didn't pick up the guitar until I was about 17. And in that time, our family had already moved to Spokane, Washington. Um, and like, that's where like, like music saved my life. Really? Um, and throughout all that darkness of bullying and badgering and um, just just a lot of anxiety and depression in that world and not knowing how to handle just like my social awkwardness with other people, um, music was that icebreaker. And in high school, you know, now it's you're kind of like, oh, you brought a guitar to party, you start cringing a little bit. <laughs> you're that you know? dude. Yeah, but in high school, it was like, hey, you're you're cool, you can get away with it, and that's how I made friends. And by making up random songs and just just singing to them about random stuff literally happening in the room, um, and uh, just kind of being a, a goofy kind person like it led me to find a love of music and by the time I was I was 18 you know I was doing a lot of musical theater um <laughs> I was in like every choir you could possibly imagine I was like wow um I think I want to be a musician like as a job and you know I went through the standard of going to college for a little bit I was a Spanish major in college and then um, I just realized that it's like, wow, I want to I wanna play music full-time. And the catalyst for that was getting fired from Guitar Center. And, Ayo. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, now I'm my own boss, and if I fire myself, then that is a, that is a different kind of crisis. <laughs> <laughs> you said a couple of things that were really interesting in there. Growing up, being bullied, dealing with some anxiety, depression, I, I think a lot of us musician types deal with growing mm -hmm. up. At what point was it no longer just, you know, you're a fan of music, that's kind of what you find refuge in, and it became like an expression for you? Oh, literally, the first day I started playing music, like the first time I touched a guitar, I wrote a song. Like, really? it was, it wow. was just how it worked for me. I never liked following the book. I never liked learning things verbatim unless they were old Ben Fold songs because I like that. I was not the best student because I <laughs> I would see these things on the page and I'd like like learn them and then I'd take the riffs and I'd just make my own riff and I'd tell my teacher like, look what I did. And she's like, can you play what's on the page? No. <laughs> okay, well, you're going to have to play the song. Um I don't know, I never really liked the rules to it. And the best part about music is like, you know, there's there's you know, a couple um a couple like the laws of physics you have to follow within music, but there's no real rules about it. It's art. Yeah. And if you're going to create art, um you don't need to follow all those rules except a click. Gosh, you got to play with a click. <laughs> <laughs> well, depending on who you ask. Exactly. Exactly. Tell us more about when you're kind of on the border of adulthood. What did your relationship with music look like more in that phase of your life? It was it was crazy. Um, 
I think music became for me like my religion in a lot of ways. Like I think I still identify a lot with, you know, Christian faith, but um, you know, growing up Mormon in the church, it's like you couldn't play guitar in a Mormon church until 2003. Yeah. Right? Like the music, I think you might as well be in hell if you're a musician and in the Mormon church for you know at least pre-guitars yeah because the music while old hymnals are beautiful in their own respect it was just like for an adhd 16 year old oh my gosh i wanted to be anywhere else but church and so i i saw a lot of joy in the musical exposition of live performance at talent shows at in, in musical theater that was a lot of fun but like actually that moment of um realizing that it like had a really big impact of my life was uh i think i was about 16 or 17 and it was a talent show i played one of my dad's songs that he had written and it was like it was the first standing ovation i ever gotten amongst my peers and i was like wait i can do this for a living (laughs) wow okay let's let's do this so you mentioned you grew up in the mormon church you say music kind of filled that void a religion. That's mm-hmm. something that I, I think a lot of musicians, I, I've heard musicians say is, you know, well, I grew up in the church, but, you know, in in a lot of ways, music is, is a way that they've kind of helped cope with that loss. If that was a big part of their growing up, you know, finding community within music or even just kind of like, you know, the spiritual side that playing music feeds. And tell us a little more about what music becoming a religion meant for you. I think I think you nailed it when you said that we see community, um, and musicians are all a little bit of like lost souls. Yeah, um, we're all we're all a little bit adventurous. We all like <laughs> to poke the bear a little bit. Um, but what we all really want, honestly, I think, is community and a group of people with like-minded ideologies. And um, in at least in Portland, the the biggest thing that the community has going for it is the community are the people there and how much they care about each other. There's kind of a, a a barrier between a few different communities in Portland. There's like the folk and singer songwriter community, which, which I'm a big part of. Um, there's like, there's, um, the metal scene and rock scene, there's hip hop scene, and then there's the church scene. Um, and the church scene kind of like flows over into all of those other, um, uh, all of, all of those other genres. But as far as a singer songwriter community goes, um, I, I've never seen anybody give more shits about anybody else than I have in my life mm-hmm. there. They just are really uplifting and they want to make sure that, you know, you got a shot. If they see some spark in you, it's like, yeah, they want to help you out. When you go to a Jacob Westfall show, if it, it almost feels just like a big living room. You know, the opener's playing and you're just in the crowd or you're on stage. The level of interaction you try to have with everybody there and make them feel warm and welcome and like a part of it and like, you know, having, having a back and forth. It's top notch, man. Is the warmth I never had growing up. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's um, like, I, I don't know. I the, the worst thing in my mind, like if I was coming to a show and I didn't know anybody there, it would be so scary 
to be left out and just like, oh, I came to see the show and now bye guys. And everybody's there and hanging out with each other. Like, I don't want anyone to feel that way. If anyone's going to come to my show, I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to ask them a couple questions about themselves and I want to make them feel important yeah. because they are important. Yeah. You know, like every single person that walks in that room to listen to music, to be on this earth and share in art is important. That's such a good way to like, look at that side of doing music you could be a fantastic talented musician but like if you if your fans don't have your back and are out there excited for you oh man fans having your back is is very interesting it's an interesting topic about portland and i think fans really do have your back Mm. um out here but here is the big problem All of our friends are musicians, (laughs) right? Yeah. You're a musician. uh, Carrie's a musician. My best friends are musicians. My girlfriend's a musician. My dad's a musician. (laughs) When we play a show on a Friday night, they're all doing shows. Yeah. And so if you're playing for your friends who happen to be musicians, how many people are going to come out to your show? You're going to get like five people out there because they haven't been booked on that Friday night. Yeah. And we're all working, you know? That's that's why you do those shows on Mondays. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, I digress. Like that community will s- seriously support you. They'll love you. They'll welcome you in with open arms, invite you to the best parties. Um yeah. and uh you know, and then on the other hand, it's like you just have to treat them with the same respect that they've treated you. And that that can be a stressor when you're like, oh man, I, I got to show face at this show. I got to go to this show, this show, this show. And you're like, but I just did five shows. I, you know, it'd be really nice. I want to watch Lost in Space <laughs> and I want to, I want to really ponder the existence of foreign intelligent life. Like, <laughs> like it's so easy to just fall into that and say like, I, I just want to do that. But like the community works hard and they mm-hmm. come out and they support. It's really cool. The night that I think I first became aware of you, I can't remember if we actually talked or not. We both got our cars broken into at the same time. We did. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The White Eagle show. <laughs> at the White Eagle. White Eagle show. You lost a good chunk of, uh, yeah, chunk of like gear. $5,600 worth of gear. It was, wow. it was ridiculous. Like, wait, what did you lose in that? Uh, a laptop charger, but no laptop. They were just like, I wonder what's in here. Oh. Nothing. Okay. Next car. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> Next car. Happened to be mine. I was super scatterbrained. I like called my dad. He's like, it's going to be okay. Just call the cops. I'm like, okay. I could call the cops. They came over in like 20 minutes. I'm just sitting on the sidewalk in the rain alone. There are these pivotal moments in your life as musicians, as, as artists that really, really change you and make you really look at what's important in life. I was going through breakup. I was going through um, not having enough money in the bank. I was going through just a lot of personal sadness. And then on top of that became tangible sadness. Mm -hmm. And that tangible loss allowed me to channel things into healthier outlets. Like, hey, we're talking on the news now. We're playing on the news now. I got invited out to a jam night with this really rad person named Taylor Dawn. And the community came out in droves. I was getting messages from random people saying, let me know how much it costs to fix your window. I'll pay it for you. Let me know um, how I can help you 
get your music equipment back and like like we want to help. How many of these people were people you knew and interacted with at shows versus just total total strangers? To be to be honest, like it was like half and half. Like a lot of people I knew like wanted to help out. They're like, hey, here's some cash or something like that. As for the strangers, I had no idea who these people were. Um, this the story went like you know locally viral and people just wanted to help. Because I think like what people don't want to see is like like we're like minstrels, man. We're supposed to be the ha- people bringing happiness to everyone. And when they see like it's like that, who watches the Watchmen? It's like who makes um or um who makes Pagliacci laugh? I saw all that support happening, um, and I was I wasn't the only one that had my gear stolen. The Ferengis got their gear stolen. There there were um, there was a studio in Portland that got broken into. The week after that, I lost a hundred thousand dollars worth of gear. Um, uh, Acoustic Mines had their house broken into a couple months later. Like it's never ending, and you really have to find your love and joy in non tangible things, like your relationships, your religion, your own self-love, your art, like they, they they can take as many guitars away from me as they want to. The the eternal amorphous they. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but they can never take away the songs I write in my head and that that are out there. They can't take away the art. I just see a lot of wonderful parallels behind that story of, you know, the community coming and rallying behind you. Whether intentionally or not, like, you know, made your shows, every interaction that you've ever had as like, you know, okay, well, we're growing this community. Um, and so it, I, I think it's cool to see a little bit of that karma come back for you. You never know what these relationships are going to bring. Yeah. Um, like Carrie Samsel, for example, like I met that guy when I was 18 and I saw him perform as Samsel in the skirt back in the day. Um, and I was blown away by him, uh, by his performance. And, years years down the road eight years later he's producing my record and so you're kind of like it, it's it's just amazing how these relationships are generated and how they work still kind of going on this uh this whole community thing if you look at your album it's uh there's a lot of features on it which i think is super yeah. rad yeah i really love the idea of collaborating with other artists the features on the record were um Haley lynn sam soul um, and Patrick Lamb, actually. Sometimes when features become a part of the song, they add something onto this performance that you never would have imagined it would be like. I love community, I love collaboration, and um, I love it when somebody throws on a sexy sax solo, and I'm like, dang, I, I, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Your brain doesn't think that way, and... It's like the best boards of any great company have multiple types of thinkers. So it's a collaborative effort, man. So tell me about what you got in the works these days. These days. I have a song called Those Days. Hey. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a lot of songs coming out. I've got a lot of singles yeah. that are going to be coming out. Um, and uh, uh, right now we're getting some mixes done uh, with with this upcoming record. And I say record with quotations. You can't see it right now, yeah. but with quotations. <laughs> um, because now is the era of the single. And so the goal is to release one single every month um, uh, with uh, some sort of promotional piece behind it. A video, behind the scenes, music video. 
these five songs are going to be a journey of honestly my last year mm-hmm. um and starting with like the loss of the the old relationship the loss of the music equipment and just just feeling really low and that the first track on there is burn me down you know because sometimes to like start all over you just gotta burn it all down right so burn me down um and then followed by like more uplifting tracks. Those days is a song about an old an old love of mine when I was a younger man, and um, uh, about uh, this little town called Cottage Grove, just south of Eugene. How we used to escape to this place called Darina Lake and just talk. Um, and uh, and then there's uh, a song called Better Days, which it's more uplifting. It's optimistic because I'm a serial optimist. And then uh, last couple tracks on there are called Goodbye For Now, which is a letting go. And um, the last track is called Wonderful, which is just what it's like to be treated right by an amazing human being. Um, and then, you know, I, th- I feel like everyone's just got to experience what it's like to be treated right. So you have an entire record pretty much done. Like you're doing the entire record at once. Uh, but then you're releasing song by song by song with some sort of promotional element. Exactly. What was kind of the 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 thought process behind trying to do that? Man, okay, releasing a record is so stressful. And there's going to be a local record release. And unless you're a huge, huge artist, like there's no big point in doing like a record release show. It's like, like at Madison Square Garden, like, okay, cool. We are going to New York playing for a bunch of fans. Like what I want is for that release show to be really intimate, like a listening party. Like, hey, I created this. Let's hang out. Let's have a good time. You know, I've got no delusions about where I am as an artist right right now. Like I I feel like I've got a lot going for me, but at the same time, I also know I have a long way to go. And the other side of the coin is that like I don't want to leave anyone out, man. It's it's a it's that whole thing of I want to make everyone feel important and I don't want to leave anyone out if they're in San Luis Obispo or San Diego and they can't come to the release show but they love my music. Like I want them to experience that. Like they get this song too. And so, you know, there's going to be single release shows um for for each single and uh, there's going to be promo behind it. What you want to do with a song is, is it's very interesting. Is like when you release a song, you want to attack it from all angles and like have like 14 uh, steps planned. You're going to promote it on all of your social media channels. You're going to do paid promotion. You're, I, I, I feel like that's something that a lot of people don't realize is like you got to put a lot of money into marketing and promoting like every single month, a couple hundred bucks if you're just an indie artist to start off with. Tell a little bit more about what your promotion process looks like. I want to start, I'm going to start with the biggest challenge that people face when they release a record. They set a release date before it's done. Mm. And so they have this release date set. They're like, I'm going to release this April 1st. Well, April Fools, your record is not going to be done (laughs) on that day that you have set. If you started it in February, you know, there's so much that goes to it. Like mixing, mastering is a whole other process besides tracking it. But beyond that, you have you have all these stressors set for you, and you got, I got to do it. And then by the time you finally get it on online, you, you haven't promoted it as much as you wish that you had. So you want to give yourself a really, really long leeway, which is why I'm being really cautious about saying, like, I'm going to release this song in April. I'm going to release this song in May. Because as close as the songs are to being like done and ready, um, there's a lot more that comes to it. 
every song has to have a video with it, whether it's a live video or it's behind the scenes video or music video. And is that being released at the same time as the song on Spotify and iTunes and all that? Or is that like a week after? A week after. When when you release a whole record just at one time, if it's local, you're kind of just, you're kind of just, I mean, I, pardon this metaphor, you're just blowing your load, like all in one record. And you're using everything all in one record. We as a community and as a generation are so addicted to instant gratification that we can't press pause. We have to take in everything we can at once. And by the time a record's released, within a month, you've forgotten all about it. So what you want to do is, <laughs> like, it's it's like working out. It's like just a little bit at a time. Here's one song. Here's another song. Here's another song. Um, because if you just give everybody everything that you worked for for three years, well, it's all going to be used up in an hour. And what are you going to be talking about three months down the road? Exactly. Listen to our new album. It came out earlier this year. Yeah, man, I <laughs> I get that. I released a record a year ago, and people are already like, so when's the next one? <laughs> well, do you have $14,000, sir? Like, <laughs> like that's that's... That's the question that I think a lot of people don't realize. Like, art takes a long time to make. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and and musicians are like, they have to be masters of all trades. Mm-hmm. Not only do they have to be business people, they have to be promoters, they have to be booking agents, because management doesn't want to manage you until you have 10,000 followers on right. Instagram. Because they don't want to create a career. I mean, they want to see potential. They don't want to necessarily have to take a gamble. Yeah. I, I tried a lot of things. I tried, I've tried a lot of things. And I like think, what? um, like going on TV shows, like, um, uh, trying most of the things I've tried didn't work. I think the biggest thing that I would encourage people to use though, is Spotify for artists. Um, because as indie artists, we're really competing against hundreds of thousands of other artists as well. Your music might be better than them. Your music might be worse, but it doesn't matter. Don't compare yourself. Yeah. That's number one. Number two, Spotify for Artists lets you submit to playlists before it comes out, which is why don't jump ahead on that release date because you want to make sure that this is in the hands of um, uh, playlist curators a month before you're ready to release. They're ready to go. Um, And then third thing is like, like you should have like a little show, like a little gig, just a little get together um, to show that like we're doing something big. We are a movement. We have a feeling and whatever feeling you're trying to convey, whether that's like everyone's a part of this or I've got you. There's um, uh, like Women Crush Music did a really good job at promoting female artists and having a mission with their song. So yeah, every song is going to have a mission and every every song is going to have like a meaning behind it. So I'm I'm excited about the record, man. Yeah. I'm excited about it. Um and beyond beyond like the promotional tools and everything, the the nitty-gritty of business. Um like the art is authentic and it's real and it's it's like kind of a rock record, kind of. Nice. <laughs> you said you try to have your song uploaded, submitted to playlists mm-hmm. a month in advance. Yeah. One of the mistakes that I see a lot of people do is they just upload it to DistroKid. They have the, the cheap plan, so you don't you can't set a release date. It just goes live, and it's like, well, I think it's live on Spotify now. Uh, 
Maybe <laughs> Apple Music later. Uh, thanks, guys, for your support. Uh, check it out. Um, I think it's somewhere. And then yeah. their name is spelled wrong on yeah. the release. And yeah, always proofread your releases. <laughs> that That is a lesson I've had to learn myself. Also make sure that your band name isn't the same band as another uh, mom and pop rock band from Austin, Texas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that happened to me. <laughs> and sometimes when you change your name on DistroKid, like the two-month experiment of changing my name to Westfall, sometimes that puts all of your music on Spotify, all of the thousands of plays on Spotify, onto a completely different account that you have no control over. So that you go to their page and they're like, this rock and roll band, and, and then you have Someday pop up. Someday with a guitar. You're like, wow, no, this is, this is not the same band. I don't believe you, Spotify. <laughs> One of the, the questions that I get from artists is, well, you say you want to... Uploaded a month in advance. You want a month for promotion. What? You, well, what are you doing for that entire month? Probably watching Lost in Space. No. <laughs> um, now out on Netflix. Um, for that whole month, there's a lot that you need to be doing. Uh, the first thing you want to do is organize everything that you have. Make sure you have those videos. Make sure you have the songs. Okay, you organize them. You set dates of releases for them. Um, and then you go on to Instagram and you're like, okay, this is the budget I'm going to put into this post. I'm going to put in, let's say, I'm going to put in 100 bucks um, to this post. I'm going to see where it goes. You're going to read the analytics and then you're going to see the locations of all of those of all the people that liked it and commented on it and shared that post. The people that share it, you're going to see a location of them in their cities. That is where you tour. The people that share the most and like the most on your, on your Instagram page. So what what kind of posts have you promoted? I promoted like uh, my Good and Me music video, for example. You know, it'll garner you a lot of attention, a lot of views. Um, because that's how social media makes money, by promoting posts. They're They're an overrated ad company basically between you and me i do not like social media at all it is a conduit for envy and comparison and melancholy mm -hmm. but it is also a way to connect with billions of people all across the world and it's a way to send your music to them so i'll promote a post um and i'll I'll put the money into it, and I'll honestly sometimes you kind of just watch, we'll kind of watch it fly. But you have to hit everything from on all cylinders all around. Um, so uh, make sure you hit Instagram, Facebook videos are really important. Um, so uh, you have your video, you have it promoted on Instagram, you have it promoted on Facebook, you have it uploaded to YouTube. You share on your Facebook page, you share your um, your Facebook video. Your YouTube, you want to hit your subscribers there. And you want to you keep the, they're, they're like a, it's like a three-headed hydra, basically, that you want to constantly be monitoring and engaging with at all given times. Your email updates are going to be exploding in your face. You're going to want to quit music every single day that you have to like look at all of these posts because you're an artist, you're not a businessman. Um, but you become a businessman with this experience. So once you once you go through that, it like you kind of like start to get in rhythm. You get automatic. Um, after a week, you got to do it again, and you want to make sure that you release. You are keeping your audience engaged by giving them a constant source of uh, gratification, and whether that's. Um, a new song or seeing me topless in a photo studio, <laughs> you have to make sure that people are constantly getting 
a product that they want. And it's really, really sad to say that musicians are products, but we still are artists that create something that we want to make a living with. If you are looking at it in a completely analytical mind, that's how you look at it. The way I honestly look at it, though, is I just want to make something cool. Mm. I want to make something cool, have fun with it, be a goofball, and never stray from who I am. And as soon as you start not being a goofball, not being your weird self that you were bullied for in the fifth grade to high school, then people are going to see right through it. Especially if you have a see-through shirt on. (laughs) (laughs) Was that your best best performing post at one time? Ah, man, I... Did, did people like the hashtag for the nipple of Jacob Westfall post? <laughs> uh, I, 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 I'm not going to lie. When you promote posts, uh, one thing you have to be prepared for is when you, it doesn't always go to your followers. <laughs> um, when I have done things, I, I, I usually get pretty good engagement, respect, and like most people like it. But there's like a solid, like, you know, 10% of people, they're like, why is this on my Instagram? And they they will comment with WTF is this? And I'm like, oh man, oh man, people are gonna see this. I have to delete this comment. I have to I have to do it. You know, because you're like protecting your brand. The worst one, man. Oh my gosh, man. I was doing um, a live interview on one of the news stations in Portland. I'm not gonna say which one. Um, they were interviewing me for uh, a TV show that I was on, and. Um, they're trying to i was like tell my story i was like it was kind of like you and me right here and after i left uh the reporter she told me she's like just don't read the comments don't read the comments (laughs) what did i do i read read the the comments (laughs) i got i got home and i looked through the feed it starts off with just what is this we have more problems in portland than musicians playing music on tv shows what what is the problem with this this picture I'm like, okay cool that's fair um and then i saw a couple puking emojis and then i just saw like then somebody started posting really graphic gifs 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 of just matter that comes out of your butt being spread all over the walls <laughs> and Aww. and i at that moment i was like you know I probably shouldn't read the comments. Yeah. Because, you know, not everyone wants to hear the music. So that is the risk you have when you're promoting and you're giving it to things, putting yourself out there to people that aren't ready to hear that music maybe, or it's just not their cup of tea. Like, not everyone's going to like you. Rejection is not just an important part. Rejection is the biggest part of this business. Yeah. And if you cannot handle rejection, you got to not be a musician. Um, Mm -hmm. Because not being able to handle rejection means that you should, you should probably be a lawyer. No, no. Lawyers get rejection all the time. Man, (laughs) uh, man, who doesn't get rejection? You have to deal with rejection. I was talking with um, Larissa Birdseye last night um, about rejection. And, how it's really not healthy Mm. to be rejected that much as a musician to be told you're not good enough because our product the music we make is us and they're not just saying your music's not good enough they're saying you aren't good enough for music what you love every ounce and fiber of your being so what i say to them is screw you i'm gonna make my own music and do what I got to do. Well, people are going to be all across the board with their tastes and everything. It's really hard to get to a place where, you know, you you accept that. 
there is a tendency for a lot of musicians, people pleasers as well. Yeah. Um, being that a lot of musicians are fairly emotional people deep down. We're all robots. Well, oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> some of us. Yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of funny because doing music, it, it's not just an object. It's like, okay, well, you know, I do or don't like this hammer or whatever. It's like, okay, well, if I'm going to make music How does and this release hammer it, make me feel? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, but like when you're an artist and you're putting music out in the world, it's almost like, hey, world, what do you think of my soul? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so. Yeah. It's intense. And I think that that a lot of artists or people that have potential to be artists don't make music and release music or really even give it a hundred percent because there's, you know, some sort of fear in the back of their head of like, well, what if people don't like my soul? Fear is a friend who's misunderstood. <laughs> Breaking out the John Mayer. Yeah. Um have you heard of the Enneagram? I, I, man, I've been really into this. I just, a uh, little self-promotion. I just made a video about the intro to the Enneagram for musicians. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I'm a, I'm a seven with an eight, I think. I knew it. <laughs> I, I don't know. Did you? Actually, I did. I was going to guess you were a seven. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, it means we run away from our problems and the main driving factor behind sevens they're in the thinking triad or the fear triad on the Enneagram, which is five observers, sixes, loyalists, and sevens, epicures. Because we are in this kitchen of life constantly trying to create without a rule book, without a recipe book, we're trying to create something and get away from our real issues that we have to face. A lot of a lot of seven musicians, at least I think, are running away from their real feelings. What makes up a healthy seven is an earthiness, and they become more observational and they become more accepting of their environment. And rather than having to taste a little spice of everything new, they are content with what they have. And so my whole thing, my last record was a journey of acceptance. This record is a journey of like the last records record's title was where we are in the now right now it's so hard to live in the now because all i'm thinking about is the future i'm thinking about what i want to do next and so when you are planning a promotional schedule i've already planned the promotional schedule in my head four weeks ago and i'm ready to like start writing another song and it's so disorganized and unhealthy to think that way and get way ahead of yourself and excited that sevens, that this part of the Enneagram, at least for me, half of the fun of putting on a record is making it more than half of the fun. Like we get our joy from the anticipation of releasing it. Like I'm gonna have this great product and then you release it and then you're like, here we go. And that roller coaster's up at the top and goes over and it goes down and it's just kind of like this flat plane. You're like, why didn't I have any loop-to-loops? Why? What's up, man? It's because as musicians, at least musicians that are sevens, we get so excited about the prospect of releasing that we don't actually look at the reality of it. And fear is our main driving factor. And we're so afraid of accepting that it's probably just a nice glide down when you release an individual song. Um, we're expecting so many loop-de-loops that we are disappointed 
But the reality was we went through a loop-de-loop. We forgot about it because we were so excited about releasing this record. So the anticipation of the ride is half the fun of making a record. But don't get too far ahead of yourself. You know what I mean? That being said, um, the record that I've got now, like, it's it's real. It's raw. And as I've become like an, uh, as, as I've entered into my late 20s, I've kind of started to figure out that like, you know, I'm doing, I'm not doing this for the money or the followers or anything like that. I'm doing it because I love it. And because I like making cool sounds on a guitar and, and waxing philosophical in my lyrics. I love telling the stories of how my songs like were written, what they were about, you know? Um, and sometimes I say too much. I, I'm always afraid that like I'll offend my exes and my songs. <laughs> but it's like I, I never really say anything like, yeah. like that mean about them because they're all like wonderful human beings and the journey takes us all apart. Um, but like deep down, it's like I hope that they hear these. Yeah. Because there's kindness and truth in them. Probably don't want to hear them, but I hope they do. So, yeah. I don't really make music for a lot of people to hear. I make music for me and maybe my mom. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that's such a healthy way to approach doing music because it's something that I've noticed with myself and I've I've noticed that a lot of other people share is it's easy to kind of get caught up in the whole we're going to do this. It's going to be great. Everyone's going to love it. We're going to blow up. We're going to be able to do music for the rest of our lives. If we can only just get there, it'll be great. Not remembering to say, you know what? I'm going to do music because I like music. And if people want to enjoy this, then that's right. they're more than welcome to. Hopefully right. someone will get something out of this. Here's, here's a little thing. There's 7 billion people on the planet. If less than 1% of this earth likes your music and gives you 10 bucks, you're a multi-millionaire. I, I, think, I think as musicians, we get really caught up. We get a lot of tunnel vision. It's really good to have other hobbies besides music. Yeah. You know, because we can spend all day on something. It's good to take a break. Like, go play some basketball, go work out, go fishing, go hiking, and clear your mind, man. Well, and, and I think the idea of having hobbies is is actually a very healthy thing for musicians because, like, I mean, you focus on any one thing too long, it's gonna you're gonna get lopsided. What, what like, do you like doing outside of music? That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I guess what I what I mean by that is if your if your art's going to be connecting with people and your art is reflecting life, you have to charge up that like bank within you by doing things that are not just music oh yeah absolutely how are you going to connect with people whether through song or at a show on the street if if you don't like understand what it is to be just a human being absolutely not a lot of people can connect with musicians because they're like it's just a guy singing on the street why don't they have a 401k why don't they have a white picket fence? Musicians with experience can connect with them. And if we have a relatable experience, then they can walk through that door. Or they can send you a bunch of poop emojis. <laughs> 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 Sometimes they don't like it. Yeah, man, but 
I, I tend to find that like when I'm really focused, um, I do a lot of my best work, but there can be those times where you've been in the studio for way too long and you just need a break. Yeah. You know, so it's good to have other passions and hobbies. Like politics is a good one for musicians. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, just, just keep yourself informed and, and keep being a beacon of light in the world. And cause that's what we are. You know, that's what people never stop, stop wanting to have in their life. Like take out all the beautiful songs that have ever been written. Take out all the art. Like imagine the world without art for a month. Imagine no music, no Mona Lisa, no movies, no TV shows, no video games. Life would be kind of shit. <laughs> so we're just making life a little bit better. Well, dude, thanks so much for uh, coming and hanging out and talking about stuff. Talking about stuff. You can talk about a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Jacob Westfall, find him on the internet, listen to him, support him. He's a cool guy. Thanks for having me, David. Yeah, dude. Appreciate you. So that's it for my conversation today with Jacob Westfall. Just real quick before we go, wanted to remind you that we have put together a free 30-minute workshop called Rock the Release that's teaching you how to promote your music for maximum success. It's a proven formula, teaching you how to get on playlists and blogs and written up by different influencers. So would love to get you signed up for that. Just go to evergreenrecords.com slash workshop. Also, if you are listening on the Apple Podcasts app, would you just take a couple of seconds to hit five stars as a review? It really helps us out a lot, helps us rank higher, helps more people just find the show. So we really appreciate that if we have made an impact for you today. But for now, that's it, and we'll see you next time.